This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. On this Tuesday, September 13th, 2022, we got a really nice fall day today. Crisp, fresh air, blue skies, a little bit of a breeze, some clouds in the sky just kind of drifting by. It's a great day to be alive in the Midwest. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast this morning. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. And these are your top five headlines for this Tuesday. Let's start off with headline number five. National Review. Brian Stelzer, the longtime media critic fired by CNN last month, has been selected by Harvard University's Shorestein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy to be its fall 2022 Walter Sorenstein Media and Democracy Fellow the Ivy League University announced in a press release on Monday. Stelzer was let go by CNN after its new chairman and CEO Chris Licht took the reins from Jeff Zucker, who encouraged Stelzer to make criticism of right-wing media, the focus of his show, Reliable Sources. Licht was reportedly frustrated with Stelzer's progressive bias and the reputational damage he was doing to the network and told staffers, that more changes were coming after Stelzer's exit was announced. Harvard. Brian Stelzer is a nationally recognized media reporter and expert on the state of journalism and its wide-reaching implications for society and governance. Okay, so that tells you everything you need to know about the Ivy League schools, especially Harvard. Uh, these are indoctrination camps, obviously. Stelzer is way out there on the left side of the spectrum, and the fact that they put him in there with uh, being their nationally recognized media reporter and expert, in parentheses, on the state of journalism and its wide-reaching implications for society and governance. Boy, that's a, a, a mouthful of uh, malarkey. It uh, just uh, oozes with radical leftist ideas and uh, totalitarian concepts. So just remember that when you decide to send your kids off to college, make sure you're, you're very careful and you pick and choose wisely. All right, headline number four, January 6th probe, DOJ issues 40 subpoenas, confiscated phones of Trump officials. ABC News, about 40 subpoenas were issued by the Justice Department last week as part of its criminal investigation into the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol Sources familiar with the matter tell ABC News. Among those subpoenaed are close advisors to former President Donald Trump, as well as former White House officials and staffers from his 2020 presidential campaign, ranging from lower-level staffers to those at the highest levels of the campaign. New York Times, federal agents with court-authorized search warrants, took phones last week from at least two people, Boris Epstein, an in-house counsel who helps coordinate Mr. Trump's legal efforts, and Mike Roman, a campaign strategist 
who was the director of Election Day operations for the Trump campaign in 2020, people familiar with the investigation said. Okay, so this is how the Democrats roll. They can't uh, debate on the issues, so they go after you. They attack you. They subpoena you. They tie you up in legal knots so that you can't move forward. They make you look like you're a bad person, and therefore they try to affect the elections. And this is exactly what's going on 60 days out before the midterms, is they're throwing subpoenas out there, making Trump uh, voters think that they're under attack, making Trump voters think that they're, you know, bad people. This is, uh, this is what they do. They try to degrade and try to tear down and try to accuse and cancel. This is their method and operation mode of how they play ball. So just when you see that, this makes uh, the, us more committed and more determined to get out there and vote and not to let these guys roll over us, and we're not going to sit around and just uh, twiddle our thumbs. We're going to get very active, and we're going to push back, and we're going to give them a democracy suppository on November the 8th. All right, headline number three. Military prosecutors confirm plea deal that avoids death penalty for five terrorists charged with masterminding 9-11. From CBS, on the 21st anniversary of 9-11, CBS News has confirmed that military prosecutors and attorneys for the five defendants charged for their roles in the attacks are negotiating potential plea deals that could take the death penalty off the table and keep the detention camp at the military base in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, open for the foreseeable future. Their cases have stalled over access to CIA evidence and more recently delays caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The possibility of a plea deal has angered the families of some 9-11 victims. Daily Caller, although the defendants were arraigned in 2012, the case has been frozen in the pretrial stage due to delayed access to CIA documents. The COVID-19 pandemic and disputes over whether evidence obtained from the defendants under conditions of extreme duress should be considered in the hearings. Catherine Herridge, CBS News has confirmed military prosecutors and defense attorneys are negotiating potential plea deals that could take the death penalty off the table for the five dependents accused in the 9-11 attacks. Well, there you go. Do you think the uh, Trump administration would uh, cut a plea deal with the 9-11 terrorists? Do you think that is a contrast between the America First patriots of the Trump era and the Biden administration era of Biden and Harris? What do you think? There you go. They're willing to take the death penalty off of the five terrorists that murdered 3,000-plus of our American citizens on 9-11. Why would anybody want to do that? What's their motive? What's their, what's their plan for negotiating a plea deal? That's what we really want to see. That's what we want to hear about. So again, it's uh, very suspect when the Democrats are in power, it's very suspect how they act and how they conduct business when they're in power. So just remember that we have uh, about two months left till the midterms. All right, headline number two. Charlie Crist compares himself to Jesus Christ, calls opponent Ron DeSantis de Satan. From the Daily Caller, a video recently surfaced showing Democratic 
candidate for Florida, Governor Charlie Crist, comparing himself to Jesus Christ and his opponent, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, to Satan. You know, some people call him DeSatan. Have you heard that, Chris said? DeSatan versus that, Christ continued, pointing to a campaign sign behind him displaying his own last name in large letters. Spencer Brown, in addition to being bizarre and therefore on brand for Christ, it's also more than a little frightening that the Democrat thinks of himself as do his supporters as Jesus Christ. That sort of pride and assumed self-infallibility is a recipe for disaster in elected office. DeSantis' war room. In just one minute, Charlie Crist compares himself to both Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's listen to uh, Charlie Crist in his own words. And you want to know what the colors are? Look at that sign right there. You see the colors, the blue and the yellow? Does that remind you of any country that's in the news right now? Yeah, we're fighting for freedom too. We're fighting for freedom too. And, and Zelensky, President Zelensky, is amazing. Amazing, Renee, you mentioned it. And, and the courage and the strength and the decency that he shows. This is an election about decency, about being decent to one another, about being kind to everyone. It, it's called a Florida for all. You know, we got a divider on the other side and a uniter over here. You know, some people call him the Satan. <laughs> Have you heard that? That's part of the nicer one. Uh, indeed it is. I'm trying to be nice. The Satan versus that. Oh, think about it. Boom. No, we got a great race ahead. We do. And I'm excited about it. And, and the choice is crystal clear. There's no question about it. It is crystal clear. He's bad. We're good. Okay, so there you go. That's uh, Charlie Crist comparing himself to Jesus Christ. I think he's got it backwards, don't you? I think uh, he's the Satan and uh, Ron DeSantis is the uh, good guy. And uh, we'll find out on uh, November 8th when everybody goes to the polls and votes. I got a feeling that Ron DeSantis is going to win by double digits. All right, headline number two. Questions surrounding John Fetterman's health spring up with recent picture. Town Hall, a photo of Democrat John Fetterman circulating on social media, is raising additional questions about his health. Despite claims from his campaign that all is well and he'd still be able to do the job of a senator, Senator Pat Toomey, whose seat Fetterman and Oz are vying for, isn't buying it. It's clear that he's been dishonest. Toomey said in a recent press conference about whether the Progressive will debate Oz. He's either not as well as he claims to be, or he's afraid to be called out for the radical policies he supports. It's one or the other. Reporter Ryan Savadra. If Fetterman was a Republican, CNN MSNBC would be having doctors on to speculate about what appears a lump on his neck. Greg Price in case you were wondering why John Fetterman's handlers won't let him debate. Let's listen in his own words. For the Senate here for 22, we have to replace Pat Toomey. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Senator Timmy was not very nice to me. He, Pat Toomey, is a miracle. Okay, so that's uh, that's very sad. He's obviously not not well. Uh, it's unfortunate he did have a stroke, and he can't put two sentences together. So, um, unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. That's the way the chips fall, and uh, I think the American people, and hopefully the people in Pennsylvania, can understand that the choice is not for Fetterman, but they need to go for Oz for the obvious reasons. All right, headline number one. D.C. Mayor establishes Office of Migrant Services, prepares to transport immigrants out of the city. Katie Pavlich, in an email to Washington, D.C. residents over the weekend, Democratic Mayor Muriel Bowser explained her new plan to deal with an influx of illegal immigrants over the past six months. Citing an ongoing humanitarian crisis, Bowser reassured Washingtonians that their values will be honored by shipping illegal immigrants out of the city and to other parts of the country. Bowser announced the move despite the nation's capital being a leftist sanctuary city while acknowledging illegal immigration places severe burdens on taxpayer funding systems meant for American citizens. Okay, so there you go. Their uh, true colors are coming out. You know, they're all for open borders. They're all for bringing in all these millions of illegal immigrants, except when they come to their city themselves and then they complain and then they ship them somewhere in uh, your city or my city, if they're so compassionate and so pro-illegal immigration, then they should be happy to receive them into their city and to take care of them and to serve them and to offer them sanctuary. But no, they want to ship them off to your city and our city. So there you go. It's very clear what their motivation is. Don't fall for it. It has nothing to do with how compassionate they are. It has everything to do with trying to get voters and to stay in power. That's how the Democrats operate. Don't forget it and remember it. That's it into your conscience. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Tuesday on the Affirm America podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. See you then. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great, and we affirm it.